JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. From ESPN and NFL Live, really everything on ESPN. Former quarterback, former quarterback here, Dan Orlovsky is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Dan, welcome back to the show here in Indy. How are you? I'm doing great, Andy. It's, it's good to be back, bud. Good to be back. Great to have you here. I saw you a little bit earlier on NFL Live. I couldn't really hear you because the sound was down, but I saw you talking in terms of Jonathan Taylor, and it's still kind of up in the air. He's listed as questionable for his return coming up on Sunday. I want your thoughts on the return that he will have effectively for a 21-year-old rookie quarterback and a first-year head coach in Shane Steichen. How big of a deal is this? It would be huge, and, and mainly because the zone read. You know, one of the reasons why, you know, to Indy was, man, that zone read when quarterback in the shotgun puts the ball in the belly of the back. And then Taylor, my goodness, that would be great. And obviously Jonathan hasn't played. But that run play has been, you know, decent for Indy so far. And if you add Jonathan to that, not only is he going to make that play when he gets it better, but I think it could really help Anthony as a runner because if those defensive linebackers start to collapse a little bit more and then Anthony gets to pull the football on the edge with less bodies, um, I just think that one play could have a really big impact on their offense. Yeah, it's uh, Dan Orlovsky from ESPN via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I do too, and I asked this question a little bit earlier and we know this, it's just hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, and, and he has run in the past. Do you think that there will be, with Shane Steichen's offense, more opportunities for him to catch balls out of the backfield, more opportunities for third down kind of pass and catch to him? Opportunities that we haven't seen really in depth in his career so far. Yeah, you know, it's not a massive piece of Shane's, I guess, in structure offense. You know, it, it is it is a little bit more spitting the ball to the perimeter because of the matchups. But I do believe because of Anthony's athleticism and his creativity and his ability to break the pocket uh, and get away from the rush, that there could be some more broken play pass game opportunities for Jonathan. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a, a huge piece of Shane's, you know, structured pass game. What has been your impression on the 21-year-old rookie Anthony Richardson through the first four weeks? In the games he's played, obviously out week number three, uh, didn't finish the first two. What you saw last week in the loss of the Rams, what's been your impression on Richardson to this point? Yeah, he's, he's been as advertised for me, if not more. Um, you know, I think you, the, the great thing is to see the special talent physically carry over 
you know, that you knew that was there in the SEC and at Florida, but it's it's shown itself in the NFL that that unique jaw dropping, you know, make plays that others can't. Talent is there. Um, I think I've been very impressed with his ability to get from number one to number two in the progression. That's been really awesome to see. Um, it, it, I guess, like, what do I want to see more from him? Um, see it a little bit faster. You know, I think there's some some notes that I have. I just get it out a fraction of a second sooner, uh, and that'll come with more reps. And then, you know, how much he can really master getting to number three or to number four in the progression. Because as teams see him more and more, they'll try to take that stuff away. Uh, but he, he's been as advertised. You know, a lot of the criticism, Dan, given to him coming out of Florida was um, his his lack of being able to put the ball where it needs to go and or his ball placement skills. What have you seen out of that for the most part? And is this something that with his work ethic and with this team and his head coach, you think that is going to improve game after yeah. game, year after year moving forward? Yeah, I always thought that was a myth. I did not think that was an actual thing. I felt the same way about Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming when everyone was saying it. Um, numbers lie. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, what I've seen is a high level of accuracy. I've even seen a high level of ball placement thrown away from defenders for Anthony. So that's been a pleasant, um, I guess, reassurance. I, I never thought that was an issue for Anthony. And I, I still don't. Um, I think he needs to tie his feet consistently to, to his arm a little bit more, and that'll come with reps. But with his work ethic and the way that they want to the accuracy conversation is going to be one that's a part of it because uh, I'd say this. I think they got to catch the football a little bit more consistently for him. You know, I think that that has become a little bit of a, a bigger conversation, at least in my eyes, than the – missed throws by Anthony that I never again bought into. I think that they they got to make some catches that um, they got to get accustomed to that ball just flying out of his hands and getting on them so quickly. I was going to ask you that too because I'll give you a great example. When Gardner Menchie was out there, it seemed like a much more catchable ball. I'll phrase it that way even though that is probably inaccurate because he has a catchable ball as well. It just comes in a hell of a lot hotter and you can yeah. tell these guys on the fly trying to make that significant adjustment to that football coming in there really a hell of a lot faster than it has in what they've seen around here in the past. Yeah, and I think it, it, it gets fixed or improved in two ways. I'll be honest, there's some throws where I sit there and go, like, I think he had a corner route to um, Granson um, on the sideline the other day, and I, he rips it, and it's just off his hands, outstretched, and I go, well, that's a drop. But I would also love to see just a little bit of touch on that one from Anthony because it's not needed. That fireball is not needed. That'll come. Um, and then I sit there. I was around Matthew Stafford when he was younger, and the ball was an absolute explosion off of his hand. And guys struggled early on, and they got more accustomed to it, and they, they, they got more reps with it and became more confident catching the ball. So I, I think that, that comes with a little bit from both parties. Yeah, and obviously he got – this is one thing I noticed, and I, I think it's just because of the quarterback, but when, when Gardner was out there, there seemed like that there was there was a little bit more separation. Now, I thought things were changed as far as routes were concerned, 
But the thing I noticed about the Colts receivers, for the most part, there is little to no separation seemingly on every pass play. And that's why I come to this. At some point, what is going to be, I think, necessary here is, is what you saw that was necessary when the Eagles made that move for A.J. Brown a couple of years ago, a couple of drafts ago. And, you know, that's to go out and get somebody that's absolutely can't miss, that can solidify it as they solidify Jalen Hurts. And I think something yeah. similar is going to have to happen with a clear number one receiver here, Dan. I sent out a tweet the other day that said, all I think about when I watch the Colts offense is what big-time receiver are they going to go get next year? Totally agree. And that's going to be the fascinating part because I think after a month you sit there, if you're Indian, you go, all right, we took a swing at the quarterback spot. I guess in some people's eyes, right? Like even, even Chris said, like, sometimes you just got to take a shot. They took it. And you should be really freaking fired up that you did because they, he looks like you got a guy. Like he looks like you got one of those dudes. And the offensive line is playing better and the defense is playing good and, and they're in the conversation for the division after a month. And that's great. But, man, you start to think of the future and you start to go – can this team go get a free agent wide receiver? Can this team get one of those kids in college that maybe is playing at Ohio State, a Marvin Harrison Jr., a, a Ro- Romo Duze from Washington, or a McMillan from, or a, or, or a Keon Coleman from Florida State? Like, that's immediately where my mind goes to. Yeah, and I, you know, and I looked at ahead at free agency, a wide receiver, and it's not, as I like to say, very robust. But you kind of want, you never know with some of these guys that may be on teams right now that fall out of favor, fall out of love, maybe want to go someplace else. And then, sure. you know, maybe an interest level might be here and wondering what you might be able to do with a talent like Richardson. Yeah. Tyreek Hill was a trade. You know, the, the, Stephon Diggs was a trade. So, so uh, DJ Moore, we saw him last night, was a trade. So, it's not necessarily only the free agent and or college draft selection. It's, you know, trades come out of the blue in the offseason with these guys. So, um, it, it, it's probably the biggest question that I will have in 2024 when it comes to the Colts is what guy comes to that football team as a wideout. It's uh, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN and NFL Live, kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So size up these three rookies at quarterback here, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, and what you've seen from C.J. Stroud through the first four weeks of the season, Dan. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a ton about Anthony already, and and the, the sky is absolutely the limit for him when it comes to his potential. And I sit there and I go, okay, just, you know, the, the hits, obviously, he's got to be smart with when and where. Um, Bryce is in a tough situation because the offensive line's not protecting and no one's really getting open. And I think, you know, Bryce is so smart. He's such a smart kid that he's taking in so much information and he's trying to be perfect with it that you could see there's moments when he's overwhelmed by what defenses are throwing at him. He'll settle in. He's going to be just fine. they got to protect him a little bit better, and they themselves need a really good wideout. T.J. Stroud's been unbelievable. Um, yeah. To watch the, the ball placement go from college to the NFL, to see how he's using his eyes to control defenses or move defenders. Um, I think some of the athletic plays that he's made from in the pocket with his feet have been a little bit surprising because they've been so good, and we didn't know that was necessarily a strength of his game. So um, both, all three of those kids – 
I, I have high level of belief that they're going to be. And I said this going into the draft. I, I honestly felt that this class was head and shoulders better than the 2021 that had, you know, Trey Lance and Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And I forget who might have won one that year. Trevor Lawrence, I think. So, um, you know, I, I really believe that that was uh, uh, this, this class has got a chance to be a really good one. You know, it's interesting, Dan. When I, I saw C.J. Stroud, I liked him a great deal. Uh, he's got really nothing around him outside of Nico Collins right now. I mean, banged up both sides of the football, and, and yeah. how he's dealing with that has been amazing. But I always put it like, hey, I love what he looked like in that semifinal against Georgia, and that's what I thought he was going to be. And I swear to you, oftentimes when he's at his best, he looks exactly like that. And a lot of people didn't know if that was going to transfer because I'm talking about one game. But he's really looked like that semifinal against Georgia. He's looked like that so far through the first four weeks. That's what impresses me the most. He looks like, you know, when it comes to Burrow. I mean, he's, he's been that good from throwing in the pocket. Um, you know, yeah. the, the interesting thing was we've fallen in love with some of the quarterbacks, and, and I think I, when it comes to athleticism, I group them into two. Uh, you either are an escaper or a creator. You know, and some of the creators are Josh Allen, um, Lamar Jackson, and Anthony Richardson. Those guys are creators. They're so athletic that they can go create plays. And then there's escapers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, and that's who C.J. Stroud is. And everyone, you know, was like, well, he can only, you know, get away from the rush, but is he really going to go make plays? And it's like, he don't need to. He could throw the absolute tar off the football. As long as he can get away from the bad stuff, we're going to be okay. And he absolutely has shown that. It's um, Dan Orlowski with us. A final thing. Um, I, I didn't gauge your initial reaction when Gardner Minshew in Baltimore stepped out of the back of the end zone. I'm assuming that it was uh, jovial for you. The most amazing aspect about that is that, abs- that, that absolutely helped the Colts end up getting in position to win that game, which was absolutely amazing. And I know everybody in football probably thought of you initially when that happened to Gardner, but it was amazing what transpired afterwards. And that's what makes this game so incredible is that it actually helped out the Colts when it came down to it at that point of the game. Yeah, see, when I did it, it did not help us win the game. So uh, kudos to Gardner <laughs> Minshew. Um, yeah, definitely, you know, like I obviously feel bad for the guy because it happens to him yeah. and people are going to – I've experienced it, but um, he's a really good player and obviously has carved out an awesome career. Uh, happy they got the win in the midst of it. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what, Dan, It's this, this Colts team has more times than not been enjoyable and – you know, they, they were sleepwalking through the first half against the Rams, and I thought Gus Bradley could have brought certainly more heat against an obviously hobbled Matthew Stafford late in that game on Sunday. But I think this product here in Indy has been a, a lot better than a lot of people expected it to be. Totally agree. I, I think mainly because the defense, you know, the defense has been a lot better than I certainly thought, especially the pass rush. And so uh, I think that that pass rush can, can, can continue to hunt and kind of, uh, I don't want to say carry, but guide the team as, uh, as Anthony really settles in. This is a team, again, they're, they're a month into the season. No one is separate in that division, and no one has looked amazing, so they're still in that conversation. All right, when are you on ESPN again? I'll be on all day tomorrow for college football, man. I'm on seven days a week. <laughs> 
I'm going to tell you, man, we, we used to have you on this show when you were just yeah. like breaking down stuff for social media. And I'm really I'm really happy for what you've accomplished because you're a go-to in terms of, of football knowledge, both breaking it down and then talking about it. And congratulations on that seriously coming here from us at Indy because we're really proud of that, that aspect that, you know, we've always had an enjoyable time with you and the way that you have worked yeah, is, man. you know, a testimonial on, on what you do to get to where you are right now. Well done. Thank you so much for that. I, uh, I, I never take those words for granted, and, and I appreciate them. And I'm having a blast, man, so um, I'm very thankful. We'll talk again soon, Dan. Appreciate it. Thanks, boss. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining us now from CBS, along with Adam Archuleta and Amanda Renner, on the call of the Titans and the Colts on Sunday, Spiro Ditas joins us. Hello, Spiro. How are you doing, man? Hey, John. Good to be on with you. Spiro, are you in town? I am. Are you in Indy? I am in town. I am in town. Well, hell, why aren't you? Why are you not with me right now? You know, I was kind of hoping I was going to get the invite, John, but you know, Dude, they, they wanted to so, do it over the phone. Well, so I, I, didn't I can back. send somebody to get you right now. Seriously, and it's not too it's far not, from where late. you are. And I'm, hey, I would love to get you good and hammered too for the weekend. What a great <laughs> way to start your weekend. Well, you, you never need to twist my arm when it comes to that. <laughs> well, I should send somebody over and get you right now. I don't know what everybody was thinking about that. Um, I, I, first of all, before we get to the game on Sunday, Spiro, how many games do you do on average, I mean, of everything, play-by-play-wise, over the course of a calendar year? You know, I was actually just thinking of this. I think now, you know, when I used to work for NBA teams, I was with the Lakers for six years, and then the Knicks for three. It was it was a bear. You know, I mean, if you think about it, um, NBA with, with 82 games, and with the Lakers, we were having full postseasons every year. It was well over 100 yeah. games just for that. Then you throw in the NFL and college basketball. Now it's it's way more manageable. So... 18 NFL, probably seven to eight regular season college hoops for CBS, the tournament, maybe 30, maybe 40 dates, 40 dates. Then you throw in the travel, it's, you know, multiple, multiple travel dates per game at, at a minimum. But, yeah. you know, when that's you're a, younger. That's a hell of a way to live, though, right there, man. I know it's hard, dude, and, and don't get me wrong. We can all be sports fans, but we're still working. We know what I mean? We're still working. Yeah, I'm sitting here drinking right now, but I'm still working, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like one of those things you can never complain to the average person, you know, who's got to right. work in a cubicle or, you know, I mean, my, I'm, I'm the son of Greek immigrants. My father came here and worked as a dishwasher and was in the restaurant business. So I, I saw what that grind is like. So, I mean, we're, we're living the dream every day just to, to get paid to do what we do is, is as good as it gets. It is the NFL on CBS with the Titans and the Colts in week number five on Sunday. Adam Archuleta, Amanda Renner, and our guest is Spiro Ditas, play-by-play voice with CBS on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. When you first saw the Colts 2023 version, were you surprised in a way that they were better than what you thought, what you thought, or worse than what you thought? Well, week one, certainly better. And look, we had the Colts multiple times last year, John, and, and that was that was a dumpster fire, unfortunately, and at the worst possible level. So 
to say that they wouldn't have been better than that probably was was unrealistic. Um, the Baltimore game just blew us away. I remember, I can't remember where we were, uh, maybe Denver. Watching that score that day was was just stunning. Um, whether it was week two or week three, I can't recall. And it, you know that that really turned heads. I think it was week three. Now that I think of it. Um, that really turned heads, and that, that, I think, was the first real sign that things have changed here fairly quickly. I don't know that anyone could expect them to maintain that level of play, but early signs, just based on what we saw last year, the, the mood of the building, we were just there earlier today watching practice and sitting with Shane and, and Anthony Richardson and, and some of the other players. The difference in that building last year to this, uh, stunning. And we're, I'm a huge Frank Reich fan. You know, Frank has always been one of my favorites in this business. He was always so hospitable to us, loved him as a coach. Obviously, things went south here the last couple of years. But as Ryan Kelly, their, their Pro Bowl center, told us, he said, look, last year, I mean, this, this was a broken team. You know, it was fractured. The locker room was a mess. To go from where they were last year to where they are now, not just the wins, but to have – a young quarterback the way they do in this kid, Anthony Richardson, and to have some of the new pieces, the vibe in the place. I mean, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm ecstatic with where they are here for four-plus weeks into the season. Spiroditas of CBS, kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You were out at the Colts Complex a little bit earlier checking out practice, I'm sure, doing some of the the pregame interviews and put those in the can in preparation for Sunday and that week five matchup with the Titans. And I'm assuming you probably asked this question, but just in, in the casual conversation you heard earlier today, would your expectation be Jonathan Taylor for the first time this season suits up and plays or does he sit it out? It's a great question. You know, we, we asked, we, we watched practice. He was, he was out there as I'm sure his is on. I haven't seen social media today, but I'm sure it's been reported that he was taking a fair amount of snaps. Um, we asked Shane, Shane noncommittal, you know, he had a little smirk, uh, which tells me, I mean, if I was a betting man and this is based on nothing that they told us, I would, yeah. I would, I would suspect that he may suit up and play obviously not a full allotment, but um, they may end up waiting a week. Uh, you know, if, if you think about it, John, he, he's been out for so long. Yesterday, with, with the walkthrough on Wednesday, yesterday was the first time he practiced since December. So to ask him now to suit up, and today was a walkthrough again with, with virtually no pads, to ask him to suit up with just basically one full day of practice, I think would be asking a lot. Um, but just looking at Jonathan Taylor in a helmet and a jersey and running around, I mean, he looks fantastic. And I think the prospects, whether he plays Sunday or whether it's next week, the prospects of a Jonathan Taylor, Anthony Richardson backfield, and with Shane Steichen, the play caller and, you know, the offensive guru, I think bodes very well for this team. And, and again, you know, who knows what the future holds with Jonathan Taylor that you hope uh, I, I would love to see him stay here. I mean, this is, to me, this is where he belongs. Um, I know the running back market is, is kind of funky right now, but if they can figure out a way to keep him here, and this is your nucleus moving forward, that's that's a lot to be encouraged about. To Spiro Ditas with us. So Dave McGinnis, who's a former NFL coach, in fact, about four decades he has spent uh, in the NFL as a head coach, an assistant coach, and a positional coach. Surprised me a little bit yesterday. Great, great guy to have on from the Titans Radio Network. And he called or described Anthony Richardson as a generational quarterback. 
Um, which which mm-hmm. did take me a little bit. From what you've seen so far, what do you think of the tools, the possibility of growth, and the ceiling for the 21-year-old rookie quarterback of the Colts? Yeah, I think I would, I would say that I was in that camp based on what we had seen. Because if you think about it, you know, basically just one year as a full-time starter at the collegiate level. So, he, you know, if you think about it, he's basically started 16 games in his life as a, as a front-line starter. And I think a lot of times when you see these big physical specimens at quarterback, you think, well, it's a running quarterback, you know, one-dimensional. But the thing that really sets him apart is that he is equally adept of standing back there in the pocket and, and making all the hard throws. He has the anticipation throws. His accuracy, which was something that people mentioned, I know he was, what, 53% completion percentage last year, that that was something that was a perceived weakness. But listening to my partner, Adam Archuleta, who breaks down these quarterbacks, I think, as well as anyone, he says that Anthony Richardson is is way ahead of where Josh Allen was as a first-year quarterback. And obviously, Josh Allen has now become among the elites at the position. But I think the one thing that you can't teach sometimes is – having the anticipation as a thrower, you know, passing a guy open as opposed to waiting till he gets open and then getting him the football. Anthony Richardson seems to have that instinctual ability to pass. And, and the other thing is he's willing to stay in the pocket, John, as the pocket starts to collapse, feeling the pressure and make those tough throws. I think of the play he made last week with Aaron Donald chasing him down and he just threw it kind of a sidearm on a rope 40 yards to Alec Pierce. I mean, that was – that's one of those wow throws that you see from a rookie rarely. And, and I think in a, in a very short amount of time here, he, he's shown you signs that leads you to think that this kid could, could in fact be the real deal. Uh, he looks very, very special. And I can tell you Shane Steichen, who's been around a lot of really good quarterbacks, you know, Justin Herbert with the chargers, obviously Jalen hurts the last couple of years. He said he saw all of two throws in his pre-draft workout. And he said, I'm good. I've seen enough. You know, and this is a guy who sees, who sees, who knows what it looks like at the highest level. So that told me an awful lot about how good this kid is. Spiro Adidas, along with Adam Archuleta and Amanda Renner, have you covered week five on the NFL on CBS. That is a, a one o'clock kick. And again, Spiro, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I didn't want to break away because we haven't talked. And it, certainly it's, it's been a while. I want to make sure before I get into this, were you, and I'm assuming you were, right, a part of the NCAA basketball tournament that was basically in the state of Indiana and all encompassing here in this, this area, right I back was. in, in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to get was, your yeah. thoughts because I, of, of the amazing things that have been accomplished over my years in sports. I don't think that overall aspect gets nearly enough credit. I was just kind of curious, somebody that lived it, you know, lived inside this this kind of bubble that we were all in here with kind of half-assed crowds, but still the real deal going on on the floor and doing what you normally do. How was that experience for you, both living it and then reflecting upon it? I think, you know, I think most guys, I can only speak for myself, but I think most people, men and women who are fortunate enough to do what we do, after a while, it becomes kind of repetition. You know, it's just another yeah. stadium and just another arena, and then you go through the motions a little bit for, to a certain extent. That, you know, I could do this for another 20, 30 years if I'm lucky. That experience that week here will be something that, that stands out. Um, 
the level of coordination between the NCAA, between uh, television partners, CBS and Turner, the schools, uh, it was it was unbelievable, you know, and there was such an unknown factor as to what to expect. Um, there were challenges, you know, it, it was the unfortunate part for us, John, is, you know, you get to the NCAA tournament every year. And the great part for us is we're, we're all together. We're hanging, you know, we're socializing coaches and people that, you know, from, from all corners of the country, you get together. It was different then because we were all here, you know, we were all in the same hotel, but we couldn't socialize. So that part was challenging of basically, you woke up in the morning, you, you got on the shuttle, uh, everyone in their own personal transportation because of COVID, getting to the arena and then basically just coming back to your hotel room. So there was a there was a certain sense of isolation that you felt. But just to to be back in the tournament after it was taken away from all of us the year before was wild. And I just thought that Indian, Indiana, the state, the city, just the perfect venue. You know, you think of college hoops, I mean, there's no place that's – that has more history, and um, and I just always love coming here, whether it's football, whether it's hoops. Uh, tons of great memories, and and that was again, that was one as as a unique experience as I've ever had in this business. Well, I mean, and, and you hope it's that way, but that's forever going to be one of one, right there, Spiro. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. I, I I look back on that, and and I always get overwhelmed with pride with folks around here for being able. To, to try to keep the sense of normalcy and, and for the basketball that we all desired, we all wanted to see in that capacity is still unbelievable to this day with me, even in reflection and talking with you, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I'm glad you did. It was, it was, there was such a void, and I think we all had such a need to get back to normal, which at that point yeah. you know, it was certainly a, a different and a new normal that we were all used to, but um, that you should be proud. You should be proud. I mean, they, they did such an A-plus job with everything. Um, and we were, we were just talking about it this morning. You know, so every time we come here, every time we're, we're at the same hotel, you know, so every time I come back here, all those memories kind of come back. So it was, it, was, it was a fantastic experience. All right. So if you're at the hotel right now, literally, I can get somebody over there in about 10 minutes. You want to come over here and have some drinks? <laughs> I think I have a feeling you and I would be a dangerous combination. So I think I'm going oh, to be, be very boy. dangerous. Yes. I'm going to be a good boy and just stay on my best behavior. So I get ready for Sunday. Well, I, <laughs> next time you're in town, we'll let you know. And for downtown again on these Fridays, as, as we often are, we'll have somebody come over and get you. Okay. Sounds good to me, brother. Miss Miro, we'll be watching me. coming up on Sunday. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for dropping in. All right, John. My pleasure. Take care. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Atkins of the Star who joins us right now. So, Nate, help us out on this debate. Front loader or top loader? What kind of washing machine do you have? Uh, I have the front loader one, so, uh, but I'm... Not my area of expertise, so I don't think I'm gonna yeah. debate too well. I uh I live in the past, so obviously I'm a top loader guy right there. So I get you. I got you. Nate Atkins of the star joins us. I I we saw the line move. I don't know how much you pay attention to this, Nate, uh, from the Colts being the favorite to the Titans now. Was a lot of that because of what we saw today, those being ruled out 
I mean, you get Bernard Ryman's out again at left tackle. That is absolutely huge. Quiddy Pay is going to be out. Shaquille Leonard is going to be out. I mean, even with the return of Ryan Kelly and the possibility, I'm sure we'll get to with Jonathan Taylor. Is that the reason why we saw this this line movement, or is there more to it in your estimation? You know, I remember saying at the beginning of the week that the uh, Titans were underdogs, and I just know that uh, for the little I followed sort of the – uh, the way that those betting lines often go is that uh, a lot of people tend to like betting the Titans when they are a road underdog. Uh, they have a good track record in those situations. So it's, I think it was kind of a matchup, you know, figuring out that, that they've owned this rivalry in recent years, that their players really get something out of, you know, beating up on the Colts and, and being ahead of them in that battle. And then the fact that the Colts have a few leaks along the way with at least, you know, Bernard Ryman, uh, pay, and the idea that if Jonathan Taylor comes back, you know, it's it's still sort of a new uh, guy coming off, you know, being out for so long. Uh, so I, I don't know if it just seems like a good opportunity for the Titans to, if they are going to beat this Colts team, this may be the week that gives them a better chance. But um, I don't know how much it's related to uh, the actual, you know, news today because uh, really I didn't know until – you know, I, I, until we got out there and saw him out of practice, that Gil Leonard wouldn't be going today. Uh, you know, Quiddy Pay was one of those that, because he uh, went into the concussion protocol this week, you know, no players really clear that in the week anymore. But Bernard Ryman seemed like he would be more on the edge since he, he went into it uh, last Friday. So, to me, that one was just kind of up in the air. And if, they, if they'd gotten Ryman back, then they'd have a full offensive line, and I think it's a little different matchup. So I'm not too sure there, but I do think that there is, you know, today's news, you'd have to say at least with Ryman, um, should, should help the Titans out a little bit in terms of exposing the one matchup that they've tended to win in, in recent years, which is their defensive line against the Colts' offensive line. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. So I'm assuming Blake Freeland is going to get that start at left tackle again. And at least uh, geek, nerdy numbers-wise, and, and probably the eyeball test too, uh, as far as pass protection was concerned, he was pretty horrific. And I'm assuming basically everybody along that D-line, uh, probably Javon Curse would like to come back and maybe take a shot at Freeland coming up on, on Sunday on that uh, left tackle situation. Would you agree on that? Because it looked to be incredibly problematic, again, in terms of pass protection this past Sunday. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, of course, you know, matchups are in moments are everything. So Blake Freeland had two things going against him last week where he didn't know until Friday that he was even going to play. So one day of practice on the lightest day of the week, uh, to get ready with that first team line and get really sunk into the matchup. And then the matchup is going to include refs against Aaron Donald. So the Rams, you know, smartly so took advantage of that, knowing that the fourth round rookie in his first game and Blake Freeland had mostly worked on the right side in training camp. So he's still adjusting. So it, it, it was not set up well to do very well last week. And he did struggle this week. It's a little bit better just because, you know, he's now had four practices. He's, they they kind of were preparing for Freeland to start and hoping they could get Ryman back. But this is more of a week of them going the whole week of, of playing to have Blake. And then, uh, you know, the Titans, I mean, they have – certainly they have guys to throw after him. They'll have, you know, Harold Landry and his speed is always 
uh, you know, something to deal with, sort of that speed skater off the edge. But it's not the same thing as Aaron Donald, who they generate one-on-one matchups for. He can just sort of ragdoll anyone. He did that with Quentin Nelson at times last week. So it's not quite as difficult as that. Uh, but it, it certainly is a concern, and it's where I think you have to really, if you're the Colts, be really you know grateful that you have Anthony Richardson and his mobility because that's really the only reason they survived Aaron Donald last week was the number of times he was able to either get away or throw from a compromised position like that uh, deep ball down the right sideline to Alec Pierce. It's very few quarterbacks could sort of be falling backwards and have the arm strength and downfield accuracy to place that ball there. So they're really going to be leaning again on Anthony's ability to navigate these pockets that are going to just probably not be perfect because they often aren't against the Titans and you have a backup left tackle too. So Nate Atkins of the star joins us talking about the Colts matchup players out players in one of those players out Shaquille Leonard with a groin injury situation. I know that Gus Bradley earlier this week, it was asked of him um, the, the lessening of the snaps last game against the Rams for Leonard and you know he kind of just mentioned hey we're not going to see the real Leonard we don't expect until November which I'm assuming was cushioning kind of the blow of questions that were coming but do we wait until then to like punch in the clock on him a lot of people want to do it right now that's a lot of money and big decisions to make in the offseason I mean when do we really in your estimation begin to accurately judge what he is going to be and whether or not he's going to have that affordability or at least be worth what he is being paid now and then moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation going this year into next year, especially because it's, it's he's paid like what he was at the time he signed the deal, which is one of the very best defensive players in football. You know, a three-time, first-time, uh, first-team All-Pro you know, a guy who led the league in forced turnovers in 2021. So the bar he's trying to get back to is just so, so high. And what we've seen so far is just so far from that, not um, not in terms of that he's just not helpful, but, like, he just hasn't had impact plays. I think he's had one no. so far that I can think of. It was a tackle for loss in the opener. So he's got a long way to get back to because the bar was that high. This week, you know, it's unfortunate he added a groin injury. Uh, that's sort of totally, it's totally separate from what's really going on with him trying to get back to full form after the back injury uh, or back surgery. And that surgery happened in November. So I think that's why they, they're looking at November is just given this full 12 months where the final, you know, two months or so, two to three months are just this, you know, he's out there on the field. He's, he's, he's playing at a lesser athleticism than he had, but it's still, it's still fairly athletic. So we are going to just have to see it build. It's unfortunate that it's going to take that kind of time. And, of course, it's it's going to put pressure on that final, uh, you know, final half of the season or so because they are going to get into next year and have that conversation where uh, it's a lot of money to sink into a more than $20 million. And the way the contract is structured is that if, if they, you know, they, they don't feel like they're getting that player anymore, it's going to be something they look at in terms of either a restructure or, you know, they could look into moving on. If it, Obviously, if, he's, if he just can't get back to that level, they, they're going to have that conversation. But we're certainly off of that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to entertain that yet because we do have to give him 
that time to get back to the timeline that, that they've laid out. And I can tell you that that's not just something that Gus Bradley is, came up with this week because in week one, uh, his linebackers coach, Richard Smith, you know, he was given sort of a snap count to put him on and felt like they played him too much. So they were intentionally dialing that back because they had this plan to, to that, that he wasn't going to be the full guy until – uh, later on in the season. So, unfortunately, like everything else with Shaq and this back injury, uh, we just kind of have to wait and see, and it, it's hard to 100% predict what's going to happen. Hey, Nate, uh, bonehead first possession defensively error hitting out of bounds and Matthew Stafford aside here. With EJ Speed and with Zaire Franklin, with their level of play, how much is that also working against and then kind of setting up the description of where Shaquille Leonard is right now? I think EJ Speed has factored into that. He certainly has taken a leap from what he'd been before this year, which was just a very occasional splash player on defense and a special teamer. You know, he's kind of – they've been doing this for a few years where a new linebacker sort of steps in. Uh, Last year was Bobby Okereke. It had a career year. You know, Zaire Franklin, of course, last year had a career year. And it seems like EJ is turning a corner, and we'll see if he can get anywhere near what those two accomplished, which was awesome play. But he certainly is showing that uh, that he can, he can flash as a blitzer, as a sideline-to-sideline tackler. Um, you know, the penalties are something that he he does have to work on. They, they popped up a little last year, and then um, obviously the one on Sunday – uh, he's, he cannot be doing that because that, that turned a third down and a punt into a first down and a touchdown drive. But, uh, but, but right now when they're in nickel, they're, they're rotating Shaq and EJ speed because they see, they see what EJ can do as a guy who, uh, who has that ability to blitz. And right now I think he's, he is the more athletic player between those two, just in terms of where Shaq is on that recovery timeline. So, they look at it as good depth to have while they're going through this with Shaq. But this will be an interesting week where there's no Shaq. EJ's playing a lot. This is kind of his opportunity to earn a little bit more staying power by playing an even higher level of snaps. And if he can, if he can really flash and deliver, you know, it'll, it'll get them feeling like um, that they can manage this a little better than maybe they thought coming into the year. Ned Atkins of the star with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Jonathan Taylor, I thought all along, man, it would be a stretch to see him out there in this week five against the Titans. And then, you know, what you kind of hear both locally and nationally is that that opportunity, non-skeptic opportunity, that he's going to get that chance to play on Sunday. I know it's still to be determined in terms of Shane Steichen. Do you think that he plays on Sunday? Where are you at with that right now? We'll find out officially tomorrow when they uh, decide to activate him, but I do think we're going to see him on Sunday. I think it will probably be at a pitch count. Uh, you know, things similar to you know other players who've had just a long time off. JT's been out of practice, just even a practice setting for he's totaled it more than 290 days. But the thing is, he is he's been working out for a while, just in terms of. You know, his, his overall conditioning, not in pads, and in terms of, you know, being able to cut on that ankle. He's, he's 
perfect. He's perfectly healthy right now. And so it's really a matter of them deciding, you know, at the running back position, it's they feel like they can plug and play with an all-pro. Uh, Shane Steichen mentioned that this week that, like, teams sign guys on Wednesday and they start on Sunday in this league when you have injuries. So I think they'll look at Taylor the same way where if you look at how they've done it, I mean, Zach Moss has done a very admirable job of, you know, filling in, but he's the only guy they've trusted to run the ball at all. And so I just think it's it's going to be too much to pass up the ability, the home run potential of Taylor. And just even if he can take, you know, you know, eight to eight to twelve touches, it makes it a lot better on Zach Moss, especially if you get to a situation where Zach Moss were to get hurt. Uh, they they ran into that trouble against Baltimore, and he basically played hurt and just gutted it out down the stretch of the fourth quarter in overtime. They they just don't have many bodies to play at running back. So I think if they deem that Taylor's healthy and they trust that he can run the offense at a pretty plug-and-play position, I think they'll they'll play him and uh, they'll just decide how much they're going to. But I, I, would, I, I expect him to play. Nate, I'm curious about this. I'm not suggesting at all that this is what Jonathan Taylor would want. I'm not suggesting this is what the Colts are going to do. But asking your opinion offensively, when he is back and comfortable and Jonathan Taylor again, will they in this offense, this is not last year's by any stretch of the imagination, not two years ago, whatever, will will Shane Steichen try to utilize him more in a passing game than we have ever seen him before? Or is he still going to be the same type of, you know, running back, that we have seen in the past because in terms of seeing value or whatever coming down the path, I mean, that's one way you can obviously extend that value. Is there a chance he's utilized at some point like that, or is it going to be the same old usage we've seen from 28 in the past? You know, I'm very curious to see what they do on third downs because I think that is the unknown. You know, they went out and they drafted Evan Hull in the sixth round after trading Naheem Hines because they felt like they needed a third-down specific player. It's not the strength of Jonathan Taylor's game. I think he's he can be fine as a receiver in terms of, obviously, he's explosive when he gets the ball in his hands. He's never really been a route runner. And pass pro was his uh, a struggling point for him last year. They were trying to brace for that. Obviously, Evan Hull got hurt. They moved on from Deion Jackson, who was also built in that mode. So they don't really have a receiving uh, skill set available to them right now. Uh, knowing Shane Steichen, you know, he's he's super creative. So he's I think he's going to find ways to get the ball in Taylor's hands in non-traditional formats. So not just handing him the ball off. You know, so, so I do think there will be some, uh, you know, either maybe not quite trick plays, but unique designs that kind of leak him in a different way to throw the ball to him. You know, it's They've done that before with Taylor in the past. You think back to 2021, he scored a touchdown against the Bills where they had kind of they had him and Hines on the field at the same time and kind of threw back across the formation, and Taylor kind of outrun, ran one guy to the end zone. So I think Shane Steichen will bring his own version of that. So I think we could see some potentially, you know, occasionally explosive plays for him in the passing game. But I have a feeling that they're, they're mostly going to try and use him in the areas where he's best, which is, you know, running the ball, just getting, uh, making guys miss and, and bringing a rushing floor, but especially trying to 
bring that explosiveness to the offense and presenting a threat in the backfield that gets a defense away from Anthony Richardson a little bit. So it's all a matter of dividing up the reps that you have for a player. And I have a feeling that they'll, they'll use more of his in the run game more of a sort of occasional thing that, that just gets him the ball in some different ways. Hey, Nate. Final quick thing with you, Nate Atkins of the Stars on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. People always bring up the cornerback situation, and now with Dallas Flowers done for the season, even more so, you know, under the criticism microscope. How much do you think we should be going in on the safety play so far this season? Yeah, I think it's an underrated point as we talked so much about the cornerbacks is that, you know, the way that this defense is – designed just at a traditional level going back to uh, Gus Bradley's days in Seattle and elsewhere is that it puts a lot on the safety. It puts just on their skill sets where they uh, they play one, you know, often one high safety center fielder, long ranger, uh, think Earl Thomas at the days of the Seahawks. And then the one in the box, you know, was Cam Chancellor with Seattle. So they're trying to build those skill sets out with the guys they have, but they're both kind of newer uh haven't been huge impact players yet in those roles. So Rodney Thomas, second year, as that free safety, and then they moved Julian Blackman, strong safety. It's a newer role for him. And they're trying to figure out kind of what, how best to deploy those within that. But it's a hard defense to run if your safeties are not those high-level players because you're kind of asking them to do two jobs at once sometimes, at least for the free safety role. So I don't think those guys have been – you know, stars, I don't know that they've been a problem, but they are the way that they built this defense this year where they didn't invest in cornerback, moved on from Stephon Gilmore, didn't replace Isaiah Rogers. They're just naturally putting more on those safeties to be kind of higher level players. And so those are guys that are going to have to take the leap because at cornerback, they're kind of they're kind of the spot that they're in where, you know, it's just you can't go out on the street and really sign these proven, durable, you know, in their prime cover cornerbacks, they're going to kind of hodgepodge that all year. It's those those two safeties and then Nick Cross, as much as he can factor in either as a third safety, uh, you know, or a guy maybe who plays in the nickel is, is you know, an opportunity to get a third safety in. Uh, somewhere within that, they're going to have to get a few more impact plays and guys that can make those young corners on the outside you know, feel like they, they don't have to do everything. And so that's what we saw at the end of that game is, is the communication issues and just some of the uh, alignment issues with these young corners trying to guard the Rams in overtime. The safeties, you know, they, they have to step up a little bit more where uh, they have to really be on top of communication. So that's Julian Blackman's role. And then really be on top of tackling when these corners do miss, which is more of Rodney Thomas's role. So I think both of them have to step it up. It's uh, Nate Atkins right there getting run down by the Popo with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Star talking Colts matchup with the Titans on Sunday. Hey, Nate, I appreciate that very much. And uh, we'll find out, I guess, tomorrow for real whether or not uh, 28 is going to be active. But it'll be entertaining nonetheless. And I'm, I'm here and very excited to see it. I appreciate you on this Friday. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. That was an ambulance passing me, so don't worry. I'm not oh. speeding. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I thought hot sauce was pouring all over you right there. So, good. I'm glad you glad you corrected me, brother. Have a great weekend. See you Sunday. Yep, you too. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he does not have the call this weekend because our good friend, the man, Don Fisher, gets to take the weekend off, which is good. I think really good for everybody in this case. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher with us. Hello, Don. How are you? How you doing, man? Are we taking the weekend off? What are we doing on your weekend off? Well, uh, headed over tomorrow to uh, Greencastle to watch um, the Paul play football against Denison. Uh, one of my grandsons is a freshman uh, player on that football team, and I don't know how much he'll play. He's a freshman, so we'll yeah. see. But I haven't had a chance to see the Paul play since he joined them as a freshman this year, and I want to see him uh, see his team at least play one time, and we'll see if he gets in. He did get in last week for a few calls, so that was a good thing, but I didn't get a chance to see that one so that's where we're going tomorrow i'm somehow going to find a way to play golf on sunday and then we're going to go back to work yeah well good are you going to a high school football game tonight a little edgewood action no, not tonight uh they play down in brazil i didn't want to make that trip <laughs> got a little lazy <laughs> in my old age so uh, we decided to go out to dinner tonight not at our table because they're closed for fall break right now so they're not even open tonight so we're probably going to go elsewhere oh man i forgot about fall break how could i forget i can't i think my daughter laney i think they have two weeks i'm sorry two weeks for a fall break's ridiculous it just is <laughs> well John, you and i are on, you and i are on the same wavelength when it comes to all these breaks that these high school kids get now they start they start the year in the start of august and then they go till sometime in what late may or whatever it is or yes. early june and you're sitting there going, why are you taking all these breaks? These kids could be going to, you know, Labor Day, go to school, and they're out yeah. by uh, literally at the end of first of June. You know, what nuts. do you need? Fall and spring? You got fall break, you got spring break, you got Christmas break. All I got is breaks. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, and we had during fall what were called in-service days. I never really knew what that was. That just meant the students didn't go, but the teachers did. But what I did know about it, we were always off Thursday and Friday this time of year. And that's when the first nine weeks grades came out. So I got a smoke up, which in terms of a smoke up meant your grades suck. And I was always grounded this time of year. <laughs> So fall break would have done you no good, right? No. I mean, wait, all my other friends are corning cars and soaping windows and throwing toilet paper in trees, and I'm sitting at home because I'm grounded. Yeah. <laughs> well, if my parents would have paid more attention, I'd have gotten grounded more, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Always grounded, the stinking smoke up. But, yeah, two two weeks. Like, Blake at Ron Colley has one, I believe. But two weeks is is rather lengthy, I think, for the fall. I agree. And too much. I agree. I'm, I'm making a lot of friends of my friends at Center Grove right now, too. But, uh, man. <laughs> Way, way too much. Hey, I, I, one question regarding IU football. I'm going to give you a break on that this week, which I think you'll probably enjoy. But going <laughs> yes, from Bell to Carey, um, I, I think you would probably have better insight on this than anybody around. What, what is going to be the significant, if we call it significant, change here? What, what's the change in expectation from one philosophy and one, one coordinator, in this case, to the other? 
Well, I think the biggest change, and I, I had a chance to interview Rod Carey on uh, Wednesday of this week uh, for our pre for our talk show next Wednesday night. Uh, we had a good conversation, and I've known Rod for many years. Obviously, he played at IU back in the early 90s uh, for Bill Mallory. He was a three-year starter at center for the Hoosiers. He was the most valuable offensive lineman his senior year. Uh, and then he went on to a coaching, uh, you know, stint. Uh, his, you know, he was an assistant coach several places, and then he became the head coach at Northern Illinois. And in six years, he took that program to six bowl games, had two MAC championships, uh, did a tremendous job there, got the job at Temple, had a bowl team there his first season, and then the next year was COVID, and everything went to heck in a handbasket. And uh, the next year after that, he was fired, which didn't make any yeah. sense to me at all. But nevertheless, this guy could coach. And there's no doubt in my mind he's a good coach. He's been an offensive guy most of his career, uh, offensive line especially uh, from a coaching perspective, was a coordinator at one time at one of the other schools he was at as an assistant. So this guy's been around the block. I think he knows the game really well. He will. The one thing he told me is he said, I don't like using the word simplify, but he says that's the one thing I think we're probably going to end up doing more than anything else. We're trying to make it easier for these players. Uh, the playbook in his mind was simply too big. And he, we got it back to a simplicity where these guys can concentrate on just a few things rather than a hundred things. And I can't argue that whatsoever. Uh, at the same time, I think he does believe in um, working with what works and the things that don't work, they're just going to pitch them. Uh, and I like that idea as well. So I, I think it's going to be a big change for this football team. I think it's going to help the quarterbacks, especially because these guys are Richard freshmen, as we all know, and they need to have it as simple as possible so that they aren't thinking about too much and they can just play the game. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline with IU Idol this week. Thus, Don is going to take some much-needed time off. And you talk about the quarterback situation, and I know that the decision has yet to be made. But, I mean, to me, you, you just go back to Taven uh, and, and see what this change can do, if at all, for him before you make a complete change or, or go to Swordsby here. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's just that's my initial feeling on that position as we move forward past the bye week. Yeah, I, I have to leave it up to Rod Carey to see what he decides to do with this. I, I My gut thing is that there's going to be not a change there. I, I wouldn't think so anyway, at least here at the outset, just like you said. Um, you know, maybe this will help him pretty dramatically. We'll see. Um, if, if, it, if things continue to spiral negatively and, and, and Taven doesn't pick up the, the speed, so to speak, in, in regard to what he's trying to do out there, then maybe you have to make a change at some point. But I don't think this can be put on players at this juncture. I, I do think that part of the problem was the play calling. Uh, we saw that in several instances uh, over the last two or three ball games that it was a major factor. And I think I think the biggest thing is this offense last year wasn't very good at all throughout the entire season in the first year under the, the former uh, coordinator. And because it didn't do much last year, there was big hope that it would change this season. And it really didn't all that much, if you think about it. So the only thing that changed was the quarterback position. And, and uh, in that regard, I think Taven looked very good in two or three of the ball games that he played in. 
I thought Brendan Soresby looked really good when he came in against Maryland uh, this past week in fourth quarter. But again, he was going up against the second team guys, and, and no, not many of the starters were still in there for Maryland because the game was out of hand uh, in regard to Indiana having a chance. Yeah, and that's that's what was most disappointing to me is just the the lack of being Don even in the ballpark a competitive when Maryland had their real dudes playing really both sides of the football was distressing. Well, and I think, in, and that, that's probably as much, it was as disturbing to me that the defense played like it did in that ball game as it was anything that the offense did because defensively the Hoosiers didn't seem to show up and it looked very much like the first half of the Louisville game. Um, and they never really got back on track until the fourth quarter. Again, when the, the reserves for Maryland were in there most of the time. So, uh, I got to say that this football team probably had the uh, the, the bye week break come at absolutely a perfect time. Uh, it allowed Tom Allen to do what he had to do, and it's allowed this football team to look in the mirror and see if they can believe in themselves once again. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, also the voice of obviously Hoosier basketball, which is not too far away from getting underway. The news of the week was the return. I mean, last time we checked in with an actual rivalry series going on, you were calling a a game-winning shot from Christian Watford and a Playboy model from Kentucky got stepped on and then everything went haywire. We never saw anybody (laughs) in the regular season again. Until until coming up in, in 2025, and it's been a long damn time. I love the fact it's back on the schedule. I'm, I'm curious, as far as the scheduling was done, how it worked out to you. Are you just glad that it's back on the schedule? Um, should it have been both at Assembly Hall, not one at Lucas Oil Stadium? How did you view the news of the week regarding that rivalry being reemerged on the schedule for IU in Kentucky? I, I'm not sure, and I've not been privy to any of the negotiations in this regard as to one game being played at Lucas Oil, but it doesn't bother me in the least. I'm just glad that these two programs are playing one another once again. They should have never gotten uh, – it should have never been stopped. And that was on John Calipari. He basically said he didn't want to come to Assembly Hall anymore, and, you, you know, you can take that for, for what it's worth. But my simplicity in this scenario is these two programs should never have stopped the rivalry in either sport, football or basketball or any other sport for that matter, because it's a great rivalry. And, and more than anything else, the fan bases loved it. So why would you stop something like that? Uh, and I don't understand why it happened. I don't care that it did now. I'm just glad that it's back on again. And these two programs will face one another for the next four years, at least, unless we beat them all four times. And then they'll probably dump us again. Who knows? You know, what's funny about this is, I mean, we're losing rivalries now year after year because of, of conference realignment. And I, I would think that's a significant red flag for me. And I know that's never going away because of the monetary value in, in, involved here in changing. But you, you got to be protective of these things. I mean, you really, you really do. And I know, I know it doesn't matter to you because you're on radio and I listen to you on radio too. But I think jacking around, for example, this year with IU and Purdue and putting that on Peacock. I mean, I, maybe I'm just too old school for this particular era. But that really pisses me off, too. I'm thinking, man, now i got to work a little bit harder to do this. I know other people are saying the same thing. And then the younger generation, Don, are saying, well, you guys are too old. You don't know anything. Be better or whatever. But I, I, we, are, we are losing so many things. I, I like the fact that, 
that is one thing that is being brought back, especially when this rivalry was lost, as you rightly mentioned, because one big baby head coach took his ball and went home. Right. And, and I, I think that was a mistake. And it was the same mistake in football, except that Indiana ended the, the, uh, the series in football. Uh, back when yeah. Donardo was the head coach, and he didn't want to play him anymore. So, you know, those those kinds of things. I, I don't think coaches should ever be involved in that in that regard. Uh, when you've got a rivalry like that, that ought to be just a staple of your program. Uh, I I don't like any of those things being ended when they have been traditionally one of the best games of the year, no matter who was the better team. I just think it's the smartest thing you can do is to have great rivalries. And Indiana's had a few, and, and without question, he was as good as, as the one with Purdue. And it ended, and it shouldn't have in either sport. I know, obviously, Scott Dolson is the athletic director, and I'm sure both he and Mike Woodson had a great deal to do with that, had their fingerprints all over it. But we're getting ready to start another season with Mike Woodson at the helm down in Bloomington. How do you think he has done so far? And then what do you expect from, from this group? Because – Honestly, there is a great deal of mystery. I know there's excitement, and wow, you know, they got a lot of talent there, but there's a great deal of mystery going into this year with this basketball team. What are you thinking as we embark on yet another basketball season in Bloomington? Well, I went to practice yesterday. It's the first practice I've had a chance to go down and see, and I picked the worst possible day because they didn't look very good. <laughs> I, I literally I literally went in and watched them warm up and, and went through their drills and all those kinds of things. Uh, then I left for a couple of minutes. I went to get a haircut, came back, and the next thing I know, they haven't started the scrimmage yet, and I kind of wondered about that. But at the same time, I know Mike was working. They had officials that showed up to do the scrimmage. And so at any rate, I watched the scrimmage and I can only tell you that at the end of the scrimmage, I know the coach was not pleased in any way, shape or form. Uh, the white team, which is the, the second and third guys, team guys, basically it's second team guys. The white team kicked the snot out of the, out of the group they had out there as starters. And I'm not going to tell you who was starting and who wasn't. I'm just going <laughs> to tell you it was pretty depressing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, you got you got not literally but figuratively. Are uh, you basketball fans jumping off of bridges right now? Way to go, Don. <laughs> I just don't want people. I just don't want people to get too excited because the the realism in a lot of fans is not very smart. And just yeah. just be realistic about it. This is going to take a little time. Mike said I talked to him briefly. And he said, you know what, we're a work in progress. we got a long way to go, a long way to go here. And he said that before practice started. So <laughs> I don't know if he was feeling that after practice or not. I'm sure he was. But at the same time, uh, it just wasn't the best performance by, by the guys that looked like they would be the starters for this group at this point. But, but those other guys look pretty doggone good. So that's a positive. <laughs> yeah. What, what, uh, anybody stand out to you at all? And he's individual. Um, I, I think the, the, the guy that just uh, – this kid really intrig intrigues me a lot, and it's a freshman by the name of Gabe Cups. Uh, I, I think he is special. I really do. He is so smart. He, he was the point guard. I will tell you that. He was the point guard for the, for the white team, which was the, uh, the second teamer, so to speak. And then at the end of practice, Mike said, nobody in this team knows who's going to start. Nobody. And if you think you are, you're wrong. 
<laughs> so <laughs> all I can tell you is I, I picked the word. And actually, a couple of managers came up that, that I've known for a long time. A couple of managers came up during this thing, and he said, man, you picked the wrong day to come. <laughs> Why? Well, you picked the wrong time to go get a haircut. I mean, you left, everything looked good, and then you came back and it stunk. Yeah, well, I, I saw the drill stuff. The drill stuff looked pretty good. <laughs> It was a scrimmage that didn't. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Though, I know. You know what? What's what that? I think about that, though, what I like about that, though, is this is when, if they're going to look bad, that's when you want them to look bad in a practice session like that, in a scrimmage like that, and for the coach to be all over him at the end because there's no question. He 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 would he has film now that he can look at and show these guys and get really angry when he talks about it. So I like that a lot at this point in the year. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have IU basketball fans like sprinting out into oncoming traffic with that update too. So, <laughs> well, if they listen to what I say in regard to this thing, they're not very smart in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we know that you read all the material, so yes, you're very active in social media as you are. Hey, where do you get your haircut down there? Where do you go? I go to Carter. He's out. Oh, where's that? Oh, you drove all the way to Ellisville and came back, and they're still practicing. All all the way. I went. I mean, it's not that far, John. (laughs) Well, I mean, it is. Well, you got two lights, but they're the most ridiculous lights of all time, right there. It was only 15 minutes to and from, and then uh, on top. And I knew I was going to get back to see part of it anyway, so it wasn't like I I missed all that much, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Taking advantage of being down there. You know, I used to get my hair cut when I was in high school at Ward's Barbershop there on North Walnut, right next to the Bluebird. Ward's Barbershop. Yeah, I think a lot of the players back then used to go. So that makes a lot of players going. I was a player. They were players. We were all players back when I was in high school. Ward's Barbershop. so. I'm not so sure that Car- I'm not so sure that Carter wasn't one of the bar- barbers there at that time. I I um I used to get flat tops there and like spiked haircuts all the time. So I don't think I've really gone there since like the late 1980s. But when, probably between '85, when I stopped going to command performance in the college ball, and then Debbie would put me in the window seat right there where everybody could walk by and watch and point. And then gave me the Steve Alford-looking butt-cut haircut feathered on the side. When I stopped going there, I started going to Ward's. So, yeah. I asked for the Steve Alford all the time. <laughs> you know, let me just tell you, there were a lot of guys who copied Steve Alford's look, boys. I'm telling you. I, yeah. You know, I think I was wanting similar results as Steve, and I never got those results. Really. All the way around. <laughs> I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going there. No, no, no. (laughs) All right. Well, just be known, everybody over in Brazil, there's going to be no Don Fisher appearance tonight at Northview High School. (laughs) Nope. For the Stangs and the Northview Knights. But uh, obviously, have a great weekend, seriously. Take some time off and uh, enjoy some golf, hopefully, on Sunday. And uh, we'll fire it back up and see what happens coming up next Friday. All right, Don? All right, John. I appreciate your having me as always, man. See ya. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Hey, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, got another Friday night of high school football, and loaded it is. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. Tonight, tomorrow night, joins us right now. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana, Joe Childers Run Car X locations. Hello, Bob. How are you? John, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I was such a shooter, too, and I almost sliced off the end of my index finger <laughs> because, hey, what is this butterfly knife? How do you do these all these tricks? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have. It's a bad idea right there. But, hey, well, we got a big got Friday night as we know. Uh, that was one of many yeah. bad ideas from your from your. Oh, day. such a bad, such a bad <laughs> idea. Me at the courthouse down there sitting. Yeah, just a bad idea. Um, I want to start here because this is a, a cathedral bar right here. Uh, big fan of the Cathedral Irish at Sam Silver Circle. They're heading down to Ron Colley to take on the Royals. Five and two are Cathedral. Uh, obviously a good season, uh, heavy aspirations moving forward here as far as what they can do, how um, how deeply they can go into this postseason. Meantime, we've seen Ron Colley scuffle. Three and four, Louisville Mayo put the hammer to him last weekend. How do you look at that Ron Colley Cathedral matchup going into later on tonight on the south side? Well, I think it's a Cathedral team that uh, I know the record's five and two, but let me tell you, they've, they've won a couple of big games on the road these last two weekends. They, they've, they've played, uh, I think, one out of state team. They, they're just, they're really good, John. Um, uh, Danny O'Neill is obviously as good as anybody headed to Colorado. So you got a quality quarterback, you have a defense that is uh, pretty solid. They can run the ball. They can make, uh, you know, got a balanced offense. But O'Neal, when they need a big play, need to do something right, he's the guy. And so yeah. um, they're good. And, you know, Ron Colley, as you mentioned, has struggled. They're just still trying, I think, still trying to find their way along. They're talented, had a really solid group last year. Some new people, different responsibilities. I've played a very difficult schedule. But anytime these two play, you know, the old cliche is appropriate. You really don't pay attention to the records because it's Cathedral Ron Colley. Yeah, and, and when you look at Cathedral's schedule, I mean, Frederick Douglass two weeks ago um, right. was, was I, I guess, kind of close. I don't know what the final score was. Uh, it would indicate that. What's up, man? Good to see you, brother. Um, really no problem, it would seem, winning by 13 at Cincinnati LaSalle. If you were coaching up a team – is it better off to have the out-of-state matchups earlier in the season or later in a campaign? Well, I think it's probably better early from my perspective. I think you're still trying to figure out who you are and gain an identity and uh, give yourself some time if things don't go well to try to clean some of those things up. Um, But they're clearly playing a demanding schedule. And I think heading into the tournament, they're playing very, very good football right now, to be honest. Well, when you think about it, both Cathedral and Ron Colley, um, Cathedral has Ron Colley tonight, and then I believe it is Center Grove at the Butler Bowl to close out the regular season in Week 9. Meantime, Ron Colley has Cathedral tonight, and then they get East Central coming up next week. So there's really going to be no rest for either one of these teams now, I guess, right? I mean, uh, I don't know whose is worse, to be honest. I mean, you're talking about – uh, arguably, you know, you get number one in both polls uh, in four uh, is five A and six A, and Center Grove East Central is number one in four A, and so uh, yeah, you want to you want to be playing great football going into a tournament, but I still think that playing those teams, if you can get through without injuries to key people, 
make you better, and you can point to that. Uh, and But if you get beat up physically or mentally in those kinds of games, now you have problems. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night. Of course, the high school football game of the week tonight. Brendan King and Jim Leisure have it for you right after me at 7 o'clock. 7-0, Brownsburg, 3-4, Noblesville. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. CarX.com for that location nearest you today. Um, from when I talk to people in and around Brownsburg, they'll tell me they believe this season can and will be won for the ages. And through the first seven weeks of the season, that's exactly the way that it looks with this squad. I wouldn't argue. <laughs> that's, that's right. I would not argue. You start with one of the best coaches in the state in John Hart, who's won championships in Indiana and Illinois uh, and at different levels. He knows how to coach. Uh, they have some really, really talented kids. Uh, some game-changing, playmaking-type kids uh, offensively and defensively, capable of making big plays anywhere, can score anywhere. Defensively, lately, they've been just locking people up and taking care of business. And so uh, they're, they're very capable uh, of playing for a championship in 6A. I think they're half a dozen teams, quite frankly, John. That's what makes 6A pretty interesting right now is that there are a bunch of teams that can that can you need to get a break and uh, need to play well, obviously. But there are a number of teams who are capable of winning championships, and I think that's the same through most of the classes. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's been a fun football season to this point. Well, Bob, there are also two others we're talking about here: two Westfield and Fishers. Uh, yeah. The Rock six and yeah. one. Obviously, Fishers five and two. So you're going to throw those records out here and have one hell of a Hamilton County matchup later on tonight. Again, I'm talking about teams that, that are capable of, of playing for a championship, yep. and you, you put them in there. Uh, Westfield has had some big wins in, in the year, throughout the year. They really have played for a championship a year ago, have that experience and understand what it's about. And so, you know, Fishers has some um, talented kids. Uh, I think that's what marks you, makes you tough in 6A, but they're just a great game. I mean, it really is. And so much can happen between now and these next couple of weeks. But clearly, you have to consider these teams as you go into the tournament. You know, Bob, I've mentioned this before. I'm really happy for Bloomington North and, and Scott Blast oh, yeah. down there. And, yeah. and the type of season they're having at 7-0. and And I mentioned one for the ages in Brownsburg. This has been so far one for the ages for the Cougars of Bloomington North. And I, you can't do this. But I'm going to ask anyway, you look at the schedule with their seven wins and it's who you play. You're beating the crap out of whoever you play, even, you know, edging by in overtime, your crosstown rival in South. That's great. But I do often wonder if you get enough of a gauge of yourself with this schedule compared, for example, what Fort Wayne Snyder gets right in that particular area. Is that a legitimate argument? I think it's a legitimate question to ask. Um, not exactly what the, what the answer is. I think right now Fort Wayne and Snyder is good. Uh, Kurt Tippman can coach as well as anybody in the state. They're, they're a good team. I'm not exactly sure if Fort Wayne's uh, football, I mean, I'm not sure if it's as competitive as it has been. Uh, and, and then I think you look at the schedule that Bloomington North is playing. I mean, South is ranked uh, third. And, and that's how you get those two teams in the top five. 
uh, in the same city. Uh, the conference is always good and balanced, and so it's hard to make an argument one way or the other. I just know that, you know, it's a really, really good Bloomington North team. If you're a football fan in Bloomington, you should be proud of what those guys have been able to do because right now nobody else around has the dominance that the Bloomington schools has. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk coming up tonight, tomorrow night. Network Indiana affiliation across the state. Brought to you by CarX, your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, carx.com. Also, the proud sponsor of your high school football game of the week tonight. I don't know if this is going to go over well in this cathedral bar, but Chittard <laughs> is 7 0 on the season in 3A. And, you know, obviously have uh, the lights out win against Cathedral that bridged the gap between Friday and Saturday about a month ago. Uh, they get Shortridge later on tonight. I want to give Shortridge a little bit of love. I drove by. I was off because I had uh, some oral surgery on Wednesday, and I had to drive up to North Central because Blake was running for Ron Colley. And I went by Shortridge where they were out there practicing. And I'm sorry, that looks cool as hell. I mean, you got oh, yeah. you know, all this yeah, commuting yeah. traffic, you know, near north side of downtown, right. and you got this football field right there where all these kids are, are working hard at their craft. Three and four doesn't matter to me whatsoever. I just thought that that was as cool as hell. I really wanted to stop because I had such a, a great deal of admiration. I thought it was neat. Well, it is neat. I, I think that people forget how much time and effort uh, our kids put in, not just for football, but all the, the fall sports. I mean, you're in the middle of – Fall sports championships, John, you know, and tennis and, uh, and volleyball and cross country and, and football and these kinds of things. But the amount of hours that moms and dads and their sons and daughters put in, uh, yeah, it's good to give them love. And you talk about Chittard, uh, I'm not sure who can I, I'm not sure who can beat them in 3A. To be honest, they're, they're yeah. really they're really really good and um, expected to be good. Have been good. Have played a difficult schedule, and as you pointed out beat a very good uh, good cathedral team not long ago. So um, it, it's a um, it's that time of year when they begin to shine. But you, you wish uh, you know, Shortridge a lot of luck in, in this matchup yeah. tonight. And hopefully they're able to get out there and, and make some things happen early and stay in it. I thought it was cool as hell. I really did. All right, final quick thing here with Bob Lovell. In 2A, number one, Linton Stockton, at Eastern Green, my alma mater, the birds are battling <laughs> at four and three. Uh, Linton's coming off a 40-zip demolition of North Knox. I'm thinking maybe it's going to be like that against my fellas this evening, too. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, I love you and love the Thunderbirds. but um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not going to go well then. Okay. Well, it's, yes. hard to be op- it's hard to be optimistic. Linton's stock, <laughs> you know, number one, they're number one for a reason. And, and you know this. Historically, they're at or near the top of the polls. They're that good. It's yeah. the Brian Oliver's guys just steamroll people, uh, which they've done quite a bit this year. Uh, it's a team, and I know this. I've, I've worn this line out. They're very capable of playing and winning a championship, uh, and they really are. They're they're a, a solid, well put together team. I mean, offensively, defensively, great balance. Uh, and they, they, they pound you, uh, play after play after play. They wear you down, and um, birds are going to have to uh, not make mistakes, which isn't easy to do when you play a team of the caliber of Linton Stockton. It's Bob Lovell right there, Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night. He'll have you covered with that. He'll have you covered with the college football coming up tomorrow as well and brought to you by Car Extra, 14 Central Indiana. 
Joe Childers run CarX locations. For the CarX location nearest you, CarX.com. Your high school football game of the week tonight, again, is unbeaten Brownsburg and Noblesville coming at you at 7 o'clock. Bob, it is always an absolute pleasure. Enjoy this weather outside and have a, a great weekend on Indiana Sports Talk, buddy. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me.